Hey friends, welcome to episode 3 of Journaling Out Loud, a podcast where I tell stories of what's been on my mind. If you want to hear some humor, some seriousness, and something to make you think, you've come to the right place. It's go time. Okay, um, thanks so much for joining me. Tonight I have two very special podcast guests, uh, my good friends Julia and Lashante. I wanted to have them on here because they really supported me a lot through my really up and down job search and they also both switched jobs um, before or this year so wanted to talk a little bit about career supporting each other through job changes and what that was like for us thanks for having us yeah <laughs> excited, I'm excited to be here <laughs> I'm excited my name's Julia Heseltine I know Risa from this little thing called grad school <laughs> um met her actually before we even started grad school oh, visitation yeah. day and I was like ah oh, should I go to grad school I was going all by myself traveling across the country to go to this thing then I met little Risa and she opened her arms so wide and she was a wild little bean yeah. and I, we were out until 5 a.m the first night we met each other I said yeah yep this is it. <laughs> this is it. And then I had to drive to the airport. That morning. It was me, Melly, and Lily, and I was like, so, who wants to drive? And they were like, um. Wow. Okay, well, my story is way less exciting. My name is Lashante. I met Risa. I think the very first time I met Risa was orientation, and I was trying really hard to meet people, and I sat next to her when she was in the middle of a conversation, and she was going off on something about <laughs> the Asian American experience and was literally so intense and I was like I don't know if I followed that <laughs> and everybody was listening so intently and I was like I might be in the wrong place <laughs> that's hilarious I actually don't remember that at all yeah so I don't bad. think you even recognized I was there you were so deep in this conversation and I was like during orientation yeah wow. I think it was because um were you considered an international student Oh, yeah. It was, like, right after your international orientation. <laughs> oh, my God, so yeah. you were already, like... No, I didn't go to the international right. student, student one, though. You didn't? But they included me as an international student. <laughs> I was like, you said, bruh. Yeah. Yes, and your hair was up, and you had your undercut, and I was like, wow, this Oh, my badass. God. <laughs> she a baddie. Oh, my God. I miss my undercut. <laughs> I miss it, too. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about kind of just our experiences of switching jobs what that was like I know for me it was really really hard because oh I was supposed to mention timeline wise I started looking for a job I think um, April May of 2021 and I got my offer in August but honestly a lot of that time was just a lot of turmoil because I didn't know what I wanted in terms of location I really seriously thought I was gonna make it to Japan which Look at us now, I'm not in Japan, but it worked out for the better. It was just a really tiring process, but I think it also helped me grow a lot in terms of thinking about what I want for my career um, and really thinking deeply about like whether this is the right decision or not. But I'm really curious to hear your guys' experiences. I know Julia, yours was a little farther back, but do you want to explain the situation? Yeah, I think like one thing to point out about yours too is like, when you wanted to switch jobs, you were interviewing every single day. I think that's like a big difference, like at least with my story, it came out of the blue, which mm. was so different because I wasn't looking for a job mm-hmm. versus like you were so passionate and like determined to like find a job. Mm-hmm. 
which is neat. But mine, oh, I didn't say what I do. Go for it. So, gosh, what do I do? <laughs> uh, I work for an IT consulting company as a data and AI manager, and I manage Microsoft products and data and AI technologies for clients. Julia also just got a promotion. Very exciting, long time coming. But so originally after school, I, well, we all were like job fair, mm. interviewed a million bajillion jobs. I knew I wanted to be in healthcare and AI, mm -hmm. but I got a few offers, was supposed to go to my original company who was sponsoring my thesis and they can extend an offer. During the time I had a bunch of offers and I was like, well, I'm not gonna wait, because they're like, wait until spring of 2020 and then we'll extend you a full offer. But for now, we'll just give you a verbal one. I said, like, well, what if something happens during spring of 2020, like a global pandemic? So then I took this other offer, which seemed safe. It was at a large biopharmaceutical company and I was a data analyst an architect for data and AI. So it was like perfect. And it was a rotational program and I could do business and technology and it was like gonna be a great learning experience. And then I got into the role July of 2020. Yeah, we graduated in 2020. Yeah. July 2020 and I knew by end of August, I did not like it. <laughs> and I was like, oof, wow. It was like no tech. And it was also really scary how they were utilizing their data. Mm. And I wasn't, I knew going into biopharmaceutical, I was like, ah, this might be a little sketchy. But I didn't know, I didn't think, like I thought I could have more power to what it was. Mm. And it really just like, they manipulate the data however they want it. And it was really sad to see that. And I had to like accept projects and build architecture that I didn't believe in so mm -hmm. I was really sad and didn't get into the technology as much as I wanted but opportunity came up ended up switching jobs do you want me to go into the details now I feel um. like this is long I ended up switching <laughs> jobs January of 2021 yeah yeah Lush, what's your timeline um wait can I explain the popcorn thing because I don't want people to think I seriously say that but you do? the Instagram account called Corporate Natalie, funny parodies of working in the business world, and one of the ones is like, she's like impersonating her coworkers' transition. She's like, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and popcorn this over to John. If you wanna just like boomerang it back to me. <laughs> They're so funny. But anyways, I'm gonna popcorn it to Lashante if she wants to boomerang it back to me. <laughs> wow. Well, um, okay, so I graduated from the same grad program, May 2020. Um, in April, I had a job offer with a life science consulting company, and by July, literally on 4th of July, I was at my family party. They called me and were like, hey, just so you know, we have no clue when you'll be able to start, so we encourage you to look for other opportunities. So I said, awesome, thanks for that. <laughs> I'm gonna go celebrate America, happy birthday. Um, yeah, so that was pretty tough. And so I went back to the drawing board and thought, okay, maybe consulting isn't for me, um, which 
it never was. Um, it turned out I wasn't happy in the job I took anyways. Uh, I started there November 30th. Um, so I think I got my offer beginning of November. Yeah, I actually had COVID. I was quarantining and they called, I didn't interview. Um, I was interviewing during quarantine, took the job, low pay, low effort, worked for a nonprofit. I was like, I don't really, I just need a job at this point. Um, ended up doing, I was pretty heavy in business development and they had sold the job to me in my interviews as not heavy in business development and about they same catfished you. Yeah, they definitely catfished yeah. me. Probably also two months in. Um, it was January, and I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> I really want to move to Chicago, so I'm going to stick with this because it'll probably get better. It's my first job post-grad school. March comes around. By March came, I was like so unhappy. I hated everything about my job. I lived in Chicago for a month, and couldn't afford the city and I was like I cannot work here anymore yeah, so it's expensive yeah mm -hmm. so I uh, also was interviewing constantly and applying to jobs constantly LinkedIn was probably my most used app mm. on my phone like mm -hmm. I was really Goals. going in yeah <laughs> I was going in I was like I'm leaving this company as fast as I can mm -hmm. um, it was not fast it didn't feel fast but I started my new job um, August 30th so yeah, yeah. It, it came kind of full circle, but um, yeah. so, so much happier. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I remember thinking at my two-month mark in my new job, like, if I'm unhappy here, I don't know what the heck is going to make me happy. And thank mm -hmm. God, at the two-month mark, I was like, no, this is great. Like, yeah. I can do this. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. It's wild. I think I'm, like, starting to think of questions as we go, so this is good. <laughs> um, but I guess my transition into a job, a new job, was, like, I started at Telnex right after um, graduation in June of 2020. Then I worked there until August 2021. But I think I was started thinking about switching jobs around April. I just didn't think there was like as strong of a culture fit as I wanted to be. Um, I also, I really loved my job, honestly, in terms of the work that I was doing um, in product marketing even though I was regularly Googling, what is a product marketing manager do? <laughs> um, and I really did enjoy it, and I liked a lot of the people that I worked with, but I kind of knew that I started freelancing for Code Academy in January of 2021, and I just really loved EdTech, and I thought it was so cool. And I, I know that like I was doing it on the side, but I was honestly so invested in the work that I was doing. I was doing copywriting. Um, and it was really exciting to have like a, a side hustle. And I just realized that the product seems so much more personal and I kind of wanted to transition into B2C. So that's why I started looking. There were a lot of other things, other factors, honestly, that influenced my decision to leave, but that was one of the really strong like career-based decisions or career-based factors that influenced my wanting to leave. But yeah, like I said, I was looking heavily in Japan I interviewed for a specific company in Japan for actually four months. <laughs> like my last interview with them was in August and my first one was in April and they're like, we really liked you, but no. And I was like, well, shit. Um, so that was actually my second time trying to get a job in Japan. Do you guys remember? 
Are you wearing pajamas? And I was like, no. So for context, <laughs> back in Notre Dame, I was also looking for jobs in Japan. And I went to this job fair. And it was a career fair. It's called Boskari. If you're Japanese and looking for a job in Japan and you live in America, you probably know what I'm talking about. This job fair is like, it's so intense. You wear the same thing as everyone else. So I was wearing a gray suit, and I was like, oh, this will be fine. I'm literally the only person in a gray suit in this entire 10,000-person convention. Everyone else is in a black suit. <laughs> Anyways. Of um, stand up. Of like, what city was this in? Boston. Boston. Mm, I remember this. Boston. We love so, Boston. We do love Boston. Um, I had to interview for all these companies beforehand, like before I went to the actual conference and they only do like final round interviews there so i went in with seven final interviews i came out with zero offers <laughs> like seven final interviews though that's pretty it dope. was really good but good I, they yeah. also could tell like i was interviewing from everything from like bus companies to like consulting to like literally anything you could think of in any position that you could think of. <laughs> I, was, I just want to be in Japan. <laughs> anything. Literally. But also our grad program was so versatile though. So you could make an argument for yeah. my yeah. There It was, it was. But none of those worked out. And then so... How was... Wait, I'm sorry. I have a lot of follow-up questions. Yes. How was the entire event in Japanese? Oh, yeah. And, and so how was your Japanese level? Because you always oh, say that you have an elementary school It level. was elementary school. They literally were like... I remember one phone interview, they were like, okay, we're going to do a little role play. I'll never forget this. <laughs> I was like, started giggling, and they're like, so I'm going to be the client, you can be the associate. And I literally, kid you not, I just said every single word in English with like a Japanese accent. <laughs> and I was like praying, and I was at, in the middle of it, I was like, can we please stop? Like I was, I switched to English, and I was like, I am so sorry, can we please stop? She was pretending like she was on the phone. Yes, yeah, so you could see her. Over Zoom, yes, I could see her, <laughs> with her imaginary hand phone, and I was like, can we please stop this? Like, this is so embarrassing. And she was like, no, you're doing great, just keep going, keep going. And I was like, dude, this is so embarrassing. I can't speak Japanese. I remember you came up to IP right after, <laughs> and you go, I know Joe just spoke my fully Japanese interview in English in a Japanese yeah, accent. Yeah, it was go, really bad. So did it go good? But it you can bad. understand Japanese. You know what she was saying to you. Oh, yeah, except for I literally, my vocabulary is actually like a second grader. So, <laughs> so needless to say, this time around was my second try. <laughs> Going for a job in Japan, it did not work out. So you know what that means. Third time's a charm. Yes. However, um, yeah, I think I was interviewing at a bunch of different places for product marketing positions. And that's also another thing that I realized was really exciting. Because like throughout college, I feel like I was always a generalist. And then I was really lucky that I fell into a job at Telnix in product marketing because I realized I really, really liked it. And so it was exciting to be able to go for the same position, even though I had only been working for like a year and a couple months, being like, oh, at least one thing I know is like, I really like this role and I would like to keep this role at whatever next company I go to. So that mm -hmm. narrowed it down a lot and it made it a little bit easier because I wasn't switching jobs 
and switching roles and it was just one so that's so interesting I feel like I had such a different experience because in undergrad I was the opposite of a general Mm -hmm. like I was so specific I studied biochemistry I was so into it Mm -hmm. and knew that's what I wanted to stay in Mm -hmm. kind of I knew I wanted to be in healthcare (laughs) and then I uh, did a super generalist grad program Mm -hmm. and my job coming out was business development and I was like I can do this like sure Mm -hmm. it's healthcare no, it was awful <laughs> and now I'm doing is such a completely different role and even my role now is mm-hmm. a generalist mm-hmm. like we, we are we kind of call ourselves like connectors so we know all the different business units at my company so that way when someone comes and asks us a question we know exactly where for them to go mm-hmm. and that's that's what I enjoy like I like being able to have expertise in different mm-hmm. realms so that way I feel like I don't know, everything's different, and I really mm-hmm. appreciate that. Yeah. I think I, that's something that I still struggle with today, because, like, should I be a SME in something, like a subject matter expert? A SME. A SME. <laughs> or should I be a generalist, mm-hmm. like, in my company in particular? But I think just, like, in life in general, because, I mean, I talk to so many, like, solution architects and engineers, and it's like, yeah, it's great to be, like, a generalist mm-hmm. when you're talking to a client or, like, you're working with Microsoft and you can go across any, like, stack in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, I can do everything in this cloud. Mm-hmm. But then it's really hard to be, say there's, like, this huge client. It's like, well, am I going to pick someone who knows everything or am I going to pick someone mm-hmm. who's, like, really, really good at this one area? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I feel like if I'm... If I'm hiring a company to specialize in something, I would really hope that they would have, I mean, maybe this is just like the innovator in me, but I feel like I would hope that they would understand everything that's in relation to it, right? Because what if, I don't think I have a good example, but if I really need you to decorate my living room, I would hope (laughs) that you also know how to decorate a dining room or a kitchen so that way they can like mm, you have a different like reference point yeah exactly mm-hmm. so they can kind of coexist like you don't different want something yeah mm-hmm. you don't want something so stuck where it's like dare I, dare I say diversity of thought <sighs> yeah. yeah I don't know but I also would say that I only got that perspective probably because I switched jobs because mm-hmm. I was like oh this isn't what I like mm-hmm. so how did you feel when you switched like, what was it like? Were you scared? Were you like excited? Were you ready? I had, I had really hated my job. Like, I had, I disliked most of the people I worked with. I hated what I was doing. I didn't like how my company was company was treating me. Mm. So I really, really um, wasn't ready for something new. But I was nervous because I. Uh, didn't really know like my job is kind of technical and so I didn't I mean I studied biochemistry but don't know the biochemistry. your current job is technical mm-hmm. yeah so I don't really know um, it's hard for me to learn a lot about like the chemistry behind cancer and things like that yeah so I had to my first two weeks was back in college I felt like like I felt like I was studying for tests mm-hmm. um, but was so, that exciting it was exciting but it was really nerve-wracking because I was like I don't know if I can 
do this. I don't, I don't have no clue if I can be in a technical role. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was scary. But I also, going back to your point of like third time's a charm, I had interviewed with this company probably five times. Mm-hmm. Like I had interviewed with this company in 2020. Your new company, Tempest, yeah. Current company, yep. Mm-hmm. And actually I had interviewed for my role, this my role that I have currently now in 2020 when I had graduated from mm-hmm. grad school. So that really scared me too, because I thought, well, shoot, I've been working to get at this company for a while, a long time. What if it's not all that I thought it would be? What if yeah. I put all this effort into it and they hate me or I hate them, you know? So. That's, I think coming from a position of like, I'm quitting to pursue something else, There, it feels like there's more to lose. Yeah. And I, I feel, I kind of relate. Like I was really nervous because there were specific things that I didn't enjoy about my previous job's culture. Um, I was really nervous that I was gonna find that this new company was gonna be like that too. Same culture. I don't know if you feel like this, but I, since I was leaving a job for a specific reason, I had like Mm must-haves that I was already thinking of. Ooh, I like Um, this. And like one of them is like, I have to have a more diverse team. Like I cannot be like, one of two women of color on my entire freaking team. Like, that's unacceptable. And I feel like, in my head, I knew that the experiences that I had in my previous company were partly due to the lack of diversity. And so I knew that, like, that is something that I, even if I found a dream job, if it was majority white, I knew that, like, I couldn't take that job. So I'm curious, did you have any, like, especially, like, majority white for people that I would, be interacting with on a daily basis like I didn't yeah. want to be the only person I have a wish list like that yeah I needed to get out of my company so badly that that wasn't top mm. of mind for me yeah top of mind was more um size of company and mm-hmm. pay those were my yeah. two big things because the previous my old role my company was 30 20 actually yeah. um and now I have a company that's 1500 and so <laughs> yeah um, that was top of mind for me and my company of 20 was majority women uh, quite a few people of color and I liked that environment but it also felt like everyone knew everything about you and so I wanted to get away from that mm. but in my first week at this role I did realize like oh shoot I'm there's a lot of non people of color at this company and that and on my team um, but they're diverse in other ways. My, mm-hmm. my first two weeks, I found out two people on my company were gay and very open about it and talked to me about it all the time. And that made me feel very um, like, oh, this is a super welcoming culture. Like mm-hmm. this is, if they're this comfortable to talk about this with someone brand new, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. So what about you, Julia? what do you think? Yeah, when I, I mean, I didn't want, I wanted to leave from like, the data governance standpoint of like the architecture that I was building, it just wasn't ethical to me. So I wanted to leave for that reason and there wasn't a lot of career growth. Mm. So I wanted to find a company that was like, really had high standards for like responsible AI algorithms and then like prioritized just like more sustainable and governance architecture for their data. And I wasn't looking. But also, I really wanted like a 
strong career path for women in tech, but also mm-hmm. more specifically for young women in tech. Mm-hmm. Because in my last company, I had four people who removed me off team meetings, removed me off projects, because they would find me on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and they like made comments in front of like entire teams. And this is at my old company, but I'll never forget this guy, he was like a PM for one of the projects that I was on. We were like building a chatbot together and I was like fully running it. And he was like, oh, so I saw you graduated this year. I was like, oh yeah, I did. Like, when did you graduate? Or I don't think I asked him because it didn't matter. I was like, oh yeah, I did. Like, just graduated from Notre Dame. He goes, oh, so you graduated this year. I was like, yeah, did you graduate this year too? And he goes, so what do you even know if you just graduated this year? <laughs> and I was like, oh. And then... The next day, I found out he asked me to be off the project because I was too young. And I was like, that is so messed up. And it happened four, three more times. So it happened four times in total. Oh my and gosh. I was like, why does it matter? So I put, I like took away my LinkedIn while I was at that company because I didn't want people to search my LinkedIn and see that I'd graduated that year. Because I was the only female, and then I was the only person under 35 and they just never wanted me to speak Mm. so that was really hard so I really wanted to be with younger people Mm -hmm. and I really wanted to be with like just females that also were like passionate about tech Mm -hmm. like didn't matter where you came from like Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be with like more people that are passionate about tech so I asked when the company that sponsored my thesis ended up reaching out I was like Hey, you who? Six months later. Six months. Yeah, and they're like, "What would it take for you to come back? You can write your own job description. You can write your role, whatever team you want to be on." When it came to the point of negotiation, it my priorities switched so much because mm-hmm. I started. This is gonna sound such. I'm gonna sound like a boomer, but <laughs> I started looking at. I gave up a pension. Mm. at my last company which is Mm. like gold and so hard to find a pension now and then I also gave up stock options Mm. and I wasn't getting the retirement package and the stock options are not even comparable Mm. at my new company right because this isn't your new company is not public is it no we're not public yeah but we get stock options through Microsoft and Accenture so we get stuff in different ways but it was weird how my I was like, oh, I have this wish list. Like, I know I don't like this and this of my team and what I'm working on. But then when it came to the nego- negotiation of package, I was like, I don't even care how much I'm getting paid. It's almost like my long-term wish list of, like, retirement. No, it's so important. And that's something, like, I talk to my siblings about, too. Like, you need to be preparing for that. Do you want to work for the rest of your life? Do you want to be living paycheck to paycheck? Like mm-hmm. those things are really, really important to look at when you look at jobs because yeah. your job could pay you two hundred thousand dollars, but if you don't have a four hundred one K, if you don't get health insurance, like your your salary is going to come down to an average amount of salary because you're going to have to put all that money into this. Yeah. I was it's also so frustrating because as someone who's just graduating well we're like not just graduated but I never really learned about like no one ever told me these are the benefits that you should look for Mm -hmm. I got to my new job and I realized how much more benefits that I had Mm -hmm. and like I was talking to Eileen my roommate 
and I was like, oh, I didn't have, like, this, this, or this at my old job, and she was like, Risa, you, like, have to look for those things, and I was like, no one ever taught me that, Yeah. and I think, like, financial literacy is, like, a huge mm-hmm. thing, and I also think, like, even beyond that, like, education about benefits and, like, really practical knowledge like that is mm-hmm. super lacking, especially because my parents didn't work yeah. Like, my parents didn't go to school in the States. Like, my parents didn't work traditional jobs. So, yeah, I never same. learned from that, like, from my parents. Yeah. That was 100%. hard. I remember going over my first offers. I brought brought it to my parents. My, I'm a first gen. My parents never went to school. Mm-hmm. They don't work traditional jobs. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have an offer. Can you review it? And they're like, looks great. We're so excited for you. <laughs> and I was like... Yeah. So then Did you I, read it? I was like, I need you to like look at this kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know what I'm looking for. And I took it to Eric Oswald. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, I'm a first gen. I have no idea what to look mm-hmm. for. And he broke down everything for me. He's like, this is a pension. This is what it means. Mm-hmm. You're matching your 401k. This is what it means. And I was like, okay. Yeah. These are our important things. Yeah. 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 That was my experience also. I knew I needed health insurance. That was my biggest thing. So I yeah. knew to look for that. But other things I didn't really know. Actually, you, Risa, you were the one who <laughs> called me. And you're like, here's my budget. You need to budget, which I still don't budget. So, <laughs> But you need to budget and you need to open up a Roth IRA oh, and yeah, all these the things. Roth. After I actually was talking to you and another friend about a Roth IRA, mm-hmm. I called my mom. And I was like, oh my God, I just learned about this thing called a Roth IRA. Like, I'm going to start putting a bunch of money in it. It's going to save me so much money. I'm going to be a millionaire when I'm 45. She was like, uh, Grandma did that and lost all her money. And I was like, ah. Uh, like, it's that financial literacy thing. Yeah. It's like, my grandma lost all her money because she took it out. She didn't, oh. know. she didn't know. She had no clue. And yeah. she took it out and lost it because of the um, 2008 and everything crashed. Uh. And so things like that, where it's like, you don't know those things mm-hmm. unless you ask the right questions. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and how are you supposed to ask out? the right questions when you don't know what questions right? to ask? I don't even exactly. know what those things are. I've never even yeah. heard IRA before. I thought the IRS, I was like, what? Oh, God. So yeah. I think it's yeah. interesting to hear how companies know about it, too, though. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. when I negotiated it, so my first company did not negotiate salary. They would negotiate benefits. Which I thought was interesting. But then when I asked your current company, current company and I was like, hey, like let's negotiate about this, mm-hmm. they were way more willing to negotiate my salary. Mm-hmm. Cause, and they even told me, they're like, yeah, we don't really know anything about our benefits package, so we can't touch that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like... Because it's all like third party. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's all yeah. third party. Yeah, so it was really interesting. And it... I mean, it kind of was a red flag to me at first, but I was like, you know what? The career development's mm. stronger here. Yeah. Oh, before I forget, one of the biggest struggles that I had switching my job was insurance. Yes. Fuck Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So in the next episode, I'm going to be talking about my two months of travel between my jobs, the which was fine in the sabbatical. Fine and dandy, except for the fact that I literally was in, like, a 45 message long email thread with my old company (laughs) our cobra rep and myself trying to figure out what was wrong with my insurance but long story short cobra is like this program i don't know probably everyone knows about it but this insurance um 
extension program where you can stay on your employer's, your past employer's insurance. Um, I don't know if there's like a limit. There but probably is. There yeah. probably is a limit. But yes, yeah, so I was paying the full premium price and I was supposed to like have my insurance, but it wasn't showing up in my old HR platform and then it wasn't. It's tricky. Oh my gosh, it was terrible. And then the whole time I had insurance when I didn't think I did. Um, and they were like telling me that I would get new cards and a new member ID. And I didn't get any of that. And it turns out the whole time it was just the same member ID. And <gasps> I literally had to call Blue Cross Blue Shield like 25 times. And you should ask for a refund. <laughs> I would ask for a reset, refund. Oh my God, so it was terrible. Yeah. And I had to go to the doctor. Like I literally held you off had on to going go. to the doctor yeah. for like two months because I was like, I can't pay this. I have no income. Yeah. Like I literally need insurance. And uh, it was just one of those things where I was like, I, yeah. I wish I would have known more. And, like, honestly, like, if I had more knowledge about, like, buying from a marketplace or if, like, my parents knew a little bit more, like, I probably would have gone that route. But I just didn't have the resources to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm glad I went through that because, like, now I know to, like, really be careful about that if I do switch jobs again. That stuff is stressful, too. Mm-hmm. I just got discounted shares so mm-hmm. we can buy the discounted shares through like the companies that own For us stock options yeah mm-hmm. is that and because you just hurt hit a certain limit or like you hit you vested yeah so i just vested so now i can and i exercise exercise like my vested options but mm-hmm. i was so confused mm-hmm. as to where was the money coming from? Yeah. What does it mean? When can I back out? Like, mm-hmm. what if I don't want it? And it, I was trying to ask my parents about it. I was like, I don't understand. They're like, just Google it. Oh. They make it very hard to find. And that is something I didn't even know companies did. Crazy to me that you can do that. You can give your, to give your employees power. It was like, oh, well, you can buy. The money we give you, you can give back to us. <laughs> at a discounted price and you can own one three thousandth percent <laughs> of my company. My company is like one like three hundred billion percent. Yeah, I think I'm definitely going to be looking at like what are the stock options mm-hmm. and what what are these like extra benefits and I think the other thing too is like a lot of companies offer work-life balance mm-hmm. benefits and like mental health benefits and that became more of a priority to me now than it was when I was looking back in school yeah. yeah and how companies will put that into their benefits package and I think if a company's looking at that then that's the type of company mm-hmm. I want to work for yeah Let's talk about unlimited PTO. Remember when I broke the record? <laughs> I've never had it, so I'm still envious. Oh I'm God. still envious about it. How much it. PTO do you get? I get, okay, now. Yeah, do you get more as a manager? Yeah, now I get more. I get 27 days. And does that include holidays? Mm-mm, no, then we get holidays. I think we get like 13 holidays, and we get two floating holidays. That's good. But no sick days. We just lost our sick days. <gasps> what do you mean? How do you oh, lose yeah. sick days in a pandemic? Yeah, wow. yeah, exactly. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, sick days sucks. But 27 days, is that's pretty good. Yeah, oh, and good. now we do alternate work weeks, which is nice. Oh, so you can that? make your own schedule. So oh. 
You have to apply for it though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always a caveat. Always a caveat. <laughs> apply for it. Oh, so, but you can make your own work week. So a lot of people they'll do every other Friday off. Oh, you have a limit. Nah. Wow. Yeah. But at my old job, I didn't, and I maxed out my PTO. Though I still took it off. <laughs> Good so, as you should. Yeah. yeah. I took it all. You're very PTO. You might as well take it. Yeah. So it, it's just a it's a different experience. It feels. It's weird though because at my old company, because I had limited PTO, when I took a day off, I was not checking my emails. I was not looking at Slack. Like I was very much off. Mm-hmm. Now when I take a day off, because I know I have so much of it and it's so much more relaxed, mm-hmm. like I'll I'll refresh my emails. And be like oh, let me make sure there's nothing super urgent. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel a bit more plugged in. Yeah, I do, which is. Definitely what employees are hoping, I think. Employers, yeah. Employers, sorry. Yeah. yeah. But do you like it? Um, I like the flexibility, but I would, I mean. Time like off I, should be time off. Exactly. No yeah. yeah. So, like, we're not robots. Exactly. But most I mean, of the people who are higher up. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. Most of the people who are higher up on my team on their days off, they're still active on Slack. Like, you, mm-hmm. I could ask them a question, they'd respond within 10 minutes. Yeah. So I don't ask them a question because I think yeah. that's rude. But if an emergency were to pop up, that's the thing though is the field I work yes, in. Yes, that's that's another thing. Like yeah. honestly, yeah. Like Industry and jobs. Happens. Yeah. Like tumors versus like a math app, that is a very <laughs> different story. Yeah. What I realized at my last job is like unfortunately at the end of the day, we are disposable. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. That's yes. And I, I saw that for the first time and realized that for the first time at my last job when I was leaving, and that really changed my perspective. I'm gonna work hard, I have career goals, but I do not want my job to become my identity. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I am only valuable to them as insofar as I continue to- You are human capital. Impact the bottom line, yeah. And I think realizing that has made me a lot more cognizant of the amount of time and energy I allow work to take away from me. Yeah. What were you guys' <laughs> feelings when the day you had to tell your manager that you were quitting your job? What were your, like, did you cry? Oh were you like, peace, I'm out? I was like a little bit peace, I'm out. I signed that offer letter so quick. You so you were ready, ready. Wow. Yeah, because I had, no. Okay, to the Ooh, young ones listening, make sure you, you negotiate. negotiate. No, I was stupid. I just, had yeah. such a different experience. That's hilarious. I waited until I extended my deadline twice and waited until the last day. Oh, you were stressing yeah. me out. Yeah. I So I had mentioned earlier that I interviewed with this company, I think, five times. I, I'm not really not being overdramatic. I'm pretty sure it was five times. Mm-hmm. Um. And I had gotten to a point where a different company was so interested in me and I had a feeling they were gonna send me an offer. So I was trying to extend my current company that I work for for as long as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And I kept getting you lucky. Were them. Yeah, so hard. I kept getting lucky because the recruiter, I'd wait till last minute and then email the recruiter and she'd be out. And so I'd be like, hell yeah, I get until Tuesday. <laughs> and I was just trying to give the other company more time because they pushed me through the interview process fast because I had told them I was in other interview processes. Mm. 
But by the time I had gotten through to the end and they were going to extend an offer, and an, an, an internal person had applied. Oh. And that internal person basically yeah. fucked it up for me. So she got the offer. And um, the day that company that I really wanted to be a part of called me and she was like, I'm so sorry, Lashante. When the internal person applied, like we couldn't extend an offer. I did everything I could. I talked to HR to try to open up two roles to hire both of you. Wow. And they turned me down. Wow. And so I talked to her for like 20 minutes and was like, when do you think another role will open? And she was like, if you can wait, I think she said, if you can wait three to six months, then we'll be able to hire you. And I said, I have to get out of this company right now. Mm. And so I took this job that I have. And so when you told your old company. Yeah. But so that day that I talked to her, though, that's when I started negotiating <laughs> my career role. Yeah. yeah. I still waited. I didn't even give them a, I didn't even start negotiating with my current oh. company until I had heard no from them. So it pushed my timeline back so much that by the time we came to an agreement, they were like, awesome. Can you start on, I don't remember the date. And I literally said, wait, can you repeat that? And she repeated it and I paused, oh, like took my phone off on speaker and looked at the calendar and I said, that's in three days, it's Monday. <gasps> and she was like, oh, well, we can't do that, can we? And I said, no, I can't do that. <laughs> it was so fast. It's such a fast turnaround. And she was like, oh, shoot. Like, didn't realize that was coming up so fast. And I was like, yeah, can we push it back to the next start? Did you have options for me? And they do orientation every two weeks. So then I got two okay. and a half weeks. Damn. And so when I had started negotiating with my current company, that's when I told my old company, I said, hey, just so you know, I received an offer. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking I'm about thinking it. I'm thinking about it. And when I had told him that, I told my manager that, he went and told the CEO I was leaving. Yeah. And the CEO slapped me and was like, hey, can we get on a call? Oh, no. And I was like, great. And so I get on a call with him. And he goes, so, Chris, your manager told me you're leaving next week. And I was like, well, exhibit A, why I'm leaving. Chris shouldn't have told you because I told him I was thinking about it. I received an offer. I haven't signed anything. I have no start date. That's disrespectful of him to tell you that because that's not what I told him. He goes, oh, okay, well, let me know. Yeah. So they were really rude to me <clears throat> in my last three weeks. And I had, did, I had done so much work to make the transition easy for them. And honestly, I shouldn't have because we're disposable. Yeah. I shouldn't have. I should have said, good luck. I told my old company I cried. Oh. And I haven't even cried. In, I don't think I've cried in front of either of you guys. I don't remember when, but I've seen you cry. Yeah. So I cried like <laughs> twice a year. Yeah. Like emotional cry. I wow. cry like twice a day. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. But I don't I'm do it in front of friends. There. I still don't do it in front of friends. Yeah. Myself. But I just remember I've cried on Zoom before. <laughs> crying on a hinge day? No, on Zoom. <laughs> Once I was crying on Zoom, and my past I totally interrupted. But my coworker no. was like, "Are you crying?" Why and don't then you turn off your camera. <laughs> because oh. I was crying from the meeting before. <laughs> Stop it. No, yeah, it was so embarrassing. No, but they were. It was like funny, embarrassing. Oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> There was, oh, I was so stressed about telling my old company that I was quitting because I was locked in a contract for two years. What? What happens when you break the contract? You have to pay everything back. 
that you earned? Not that you earned. You have to pay your signing, my relocation, my stock options, all my vested retirement disappeared because it, it was a double vest. So they match right away, but then they don't keep that match if you leave within a year. Oh, shit. And so it was like a casual... You like took out a loan in order to quit your job. Literally, yeah. Did you tell your current company? Because they oh. did they buy you back? Oh, buy yeah. You out? Okay, so good. that was like the negotiation part. Wait, so I was like, yeah, I want to do this. And they're like, you can write your job description. Blah, you were like, blah. fuck that. I, I said, like, buy That's me out. great. <laughs> and I literally said the words, I was like, but you're going to have to buy me out. And they were like, what? Yeah. You're like, they're like, buy you dinner? <laughs> <They're> <laughs> take like, you out take, to eat? Take you out? Yo, and Joe was, Byron. <laughs> And they're telling the guys that they have to take out. Uh, it's been so many years since I've seen that. I'm Jim, not gonna remember. Kim Jong Un, and they're like, you gotta take him out. They're like, take him out. Oh, they're like, take well, him out. They're like, take him out. Take him out to dinner. So it was basically the <laughs> same then, conversation. Then he was like, no, take him out. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, you have to buy me out. Buy after that. Then it made I like got all my things that I wanted. I was like. Buy me out, eat me out, take me out. <laughs> <laughs> the three outs. The three outs. And girls gotta eat. Girls gotta eat. <laughs> and then they're like, all right, it's official. Like you start January, like for it was like the first week. I was like, no, 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 no. Because then we take the last two weeks off of winter. So it was like the day before. I was like, okay, so all these people are gonna leave for two weeks. And <laughs> I'm just gonna come back day one after the two weeks and be like, by the way, this is my last day. Thank you so much. I put in my two weeks while you guys roll out. Yeah. Bye. So I asked them to extend it by two more weeks. Mm. And when I told them, I cried. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, because I think I also was super sad because it was such a selective program that I got into mm-hmm. with so many people from our grad program interview mm-hmm. that would have been good fits. And I... Off the record, who? who, who. <laughs> oh, yeah, Lily. I right? think I only know one person. There's Lily, like seven yeah. people that interviewed. Did um Evan Cannon interview? Evan, both the Abbeys. Oh really? Oh yeah. I don't know. Both. The well, Abbeys. both Abbeys would have hated it, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, both Abbeys. You took one. You did the Lord's work. Yeah, you're Lily, fine. Lily. <laughs> yeah, Lily was made it to finals with me. Lily probably would have liked it, but... Yeah, yeah. I think she would have. But she also loves her current job, so... Yeah. Yeah. You did the Lord's work. And then there was Sam Gray. He's doing just fine. He hates his job. Yeah, but he's doing fine. Yeah, he doesn't really fine. hate his job, guys. I don't yeah, believe exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. I really don't believe he hates his job. No. He works at McKinsey. He's fine. Yeah. He loves it. I'm sure he loves all the dick sucking he gets. Oh. Yeah. I but yeah, I just remember, like, fine... I talked to, um, oh my god, who did I talk I talked to someone about it, one of our guy friends, and I was like, I'm freaking out, like, I, like, I'm gonna cry, like, I think I'm gonna tell them that I'm gonna cry, and I was like, I'm not ready to cry. I just feel so bad, and he was like, everybody is responsible, like, and there's, you are one person out of tens of thousands of people, and he's like, you do great work, but they can find someone to replace yeah. you. Companies have so much power, it's disgusting. 
It's tough. It's hard. Because I think I do think like that. I, I think, oh yeah, companies, I'm disposable to them. Like, I can leave whenever I want. But... You can't. Because it you takes make connections. I, yeah, but I cannot leave whenever I want. No, because I, next month's rent is due, right? Like, I... Yeah, I need When income. I, in March, when I was like, I need to leave this company right the fuck now, it still took me three, two, eight, five months. Yeah. And that was a long-ass five months. And by the time probably, like, four months hit, most people I was friends with knew I was leaving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, and yeah. I just didn't know when or where, but they all knew oh, where I was knew. out the door. Yeah. I, I think every time I saw you, I was like, have you left yet? Yeah. Like, I, I was like, so ready. I, I was like, are you gone now? It's like that friend who's like, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. I'll be at your place in like 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours later. Like, yeah, I don't know. Our whole friend group. <laughs> every day took, like, I just remember in, in that time period, so many things financially happened to me, and I was just so broke, and I was like, I'm struggling. I need to leave. Like I need a company that's going to pay me a livable wage. Mm. And I and I remember the day actually the day my car got towed and I owed the city of Chicago three thousand dollars. I cried for hours and I talked to my grandma and I was like, fuck this. I'm going to apply to every single job I can find online right now. And yeah. I, I think it was a Sunday. I remember that. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And I spent like three that's hours. That's when you got the Oak Street one. Yeah. Yep. And that's literally when I got a majority of my interviews. And I think probably three to four weeks later, I signed. <gasps> yeah. No And it was way. like the lowest day I had had in Chicago. I was like, this feels awful. And now owe the city of Chicago $2,500, not 3000 hey. anymore. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so anyways, moral story is, like, companies do have <laughs> a lot of power, oh and god. you have a lot of power in yourself, but that's something that I think first-generation college students, low-income students, people of color, what they don't, what people not experiencing those realities don't realize is that sometimes you're stuck. It can be really, really expensive to be poor. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so expensive. Wealthy people can buy really nice cars. They don't have to replace their car for 15 years. They can buy time. They can, exactly. They could have paid that bill in full, or they could have paid their parking tickets on time. Like, I couldn't afford, which then made me Mm -hmm. get my car towed. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many things that were on top of me that just Mm -hmm. impacted my experienced where I thought the only like at that point the only way for me to get out of this cycle I was in was to make more money yeah mm-hmm. you know so yeah it was a, a rough that's why like cycles of generational poverty are so hard to break it's why yeah. they exist yeah. Oh, yeah it's so hard to get out of it I just read something online yesterday and it was like a fable I think and it was oh um you can make $30 a month, and so you buy $10 shoes because that's all you can afford, whereas rich people will make $100 a month and will buy $50 shoes, and those $50 shoes last you a year, whereas mm-hmm. the $10 shoes last you a month. Mm-hmm. And so now you're paying $120 over a year mm-hmm. to buy your shoes, whereas rich people only pay 50 And like mm-hmm. things like that where it's like, oh shit, that's how the Makes rich stay rich, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 
If you were, if you met someone who was like trying or like debating on like changing jobs and they're like in between, mm. what advice would you give them like based off your experience? I would say give yourself enough time. Like I you give yourself time, it's like time is one thing and also like, wait, can I interrupt you? Yes. Give yourself enough time where? Like give at yourself your current role? When? Enough time Okay, wait, 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 no. I would say start looking, like, six months in advance. Before you even know you want to leave? Or as soon as you know you want to leave, make a timeline of when you want to leave. Yeah. I was told once to never not look. To always be looking. looking. But I think that's also exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I know it's good, but. I apply for jobs every other month. I apply to one job every other month. Yeah. I think that could be really healthy because it's really important to know what's out there. Mm-hmm. Because you can get really siloed mm-hmm. and be stuck where you are. And it's important and to know. show your company, like, I am wanted in other places. Like, yeah. I would think, I would say, like, take the time to really recognize what are your priorities. And if the your current role in your current company is not meeting your priorities, which I'm saying this as advice, knowing that this was the hardest thing for me. Like really, what are those priorities? Are you comfortable with those being your top priorities? Mm-hmm. Mm. And I like that. Are you comfortable with those being mm-hmm. your top priorities? Yeah, because one of mine was money and that I wasn't really comfortable with that, but it was my reality in that moment of like, Like when I you were comfortable to. to like negotiate that, is that what you mean by comfortable? But I wasn't comfortable that you were putting too much weight on it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think money should influence your life as much as it has for me in the last... I see, I see. Yeah. But it had to in that moment. Yeah. So, I would say, like, figure out what those priorities are, stick with it, and find something... If what what you're currently doing isn't meeting those, it's time to probably leave. I also think, like, hearing you talk has made me realize a lot about, like, I kind of knew during the job process, like, I'm privileged to be able to, like, look for a job without any kind of, like, I left because I wanted to. I left because of diversity and culture reasons, but I didn't leave because I wasn't making... furloughed. I didn't get furloughed. I didn't leave because of, like, harassment at the job or because I wasn't... I wasn't making a livable wage, and, like, Mm -hmm. I think realizing that like I thought especially during a pandemic mm-hmm. like in during a pandemic like that's really there were a lot of times during that process where I was like okay you're like literally crying because you didn't get a job there are you are in such a privileged position and obviously it is frustrating when you don't get things that you think you deserve but I think that was like a good reality check and like hearing you talk about it and like kind of like reliving my experience of finding a job like that puts things into perspective a lot for me um and I also think that's why my other like advice is like also a little bit different maybe because our circumstances are so we're so different but like since I had the privilege of leaving a good thing for an arguably maybe better thing my thought process I had so much anxiety about whether or not I was making the right decision because my I was at a good job that I could see career growth in I was in product marketing which I loved and I left because of what some might call like trivial reasons like oh you hate being the only like 
woman of color, like, or one of two, like, people might say that and be, see that and say, like, that's such a minor reason to leave. And I agree. And I think, I, well, I don't agree, but. I was going to say, I disagree. I was like, I disagree. (laughs) Yeah. But I think people who, that isn't their reality and they've never experienced that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people do feel that way. But because of that, I think advice I would give is like, it's going to be really hard and you're going to second guess yourself like every step of the way. Yeah. What would be your advice, Julia? How How are you feeling? I think if somebody was looking to change jobs, I would just say like, stay curious. And I think I would tell them if you are comfortable moving to the next job, then it's not the right time to move. So I think you should be uncomfortable going to the next job. Because the best advice I've ever had is if you're comfortable, you're not challenging yourself enough, and you're like settling. Mm. Not exact words, but you should be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that and is you like you should be challenging yourself. Yeah, I think that's the best advice I've ever gotten, and it applies to so many different dynamics, and like life, career, friendships, like mm-hmm. yourself. That's really good. I feel that now. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel that a lot. Of like. I think for for me to leave in this moment in my in my current role, it would have to be an opportunity that would really push me. Yeah. Because I think a I see a lot of growth at my company. Mm-hmm. At the one year mark, they encourage you to look at other teams and move laterally or move That's you know like cool. internally, and. So that is really that's keeping me here. Like mm-hmm. you know, I I want to experience graph. that. Yeah. So for something to come along, it would. It would have to be, yeah. I, I do think it should be something that falls into those lines. Yeah. Okay, quick last question on imposter syndrome. I read a really interesting article on imposter syndrome and how it's like, it's like the intersectionality of imposter syndrome, but I won't get into that right now. No, that's totally fair to get into because I Okay, let's get into it. Well, I had let's never heard, the very first time I had heard a white person say the term imposter syndrome was grad school. In the context I had learned the term imposter syndrome, I didn't know that white people could have imposter syndrome. Mm. I thought it was something that was only like experienced by people of color. And so when she was explaining it, I was like, can you step the fuck back? Like I remember being mm. so offended and freaking IP. Like, yeah. So confused. And I remember talking to Becky, mm. my roommate at the time, and she was like, I've never heard the term imposter syndrome before. And I was like, I had read so many articles about yeah. this, and I had never heard it come out of a white person's Yeah. Name. Since then, I realized I was incorrect, and that anyone can experience imposter syndrome. <laughs> but the, there's but, different flavors of it. Yeah, like, it, was, it was, yeah. Essentially, the article was saying, like, a lot of people of color's experiences, ugh, which I'm trying to get better at not using the term people of color, because I know it's a good like valid term but like I don't like umbrellaing mm. so many different experiences but I'm gonna do it just for the sake of brevity the, yeah <laughs> brevity but um experiences get uh, dismissed as imposter syndrome when it's actually something more like mm. when it's actually like, internalized racism well no, no 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 like saying oh you just have imposter syndrome like no I don't just have imposter syndrome mm. I have these feelings of insecurity also because I don't have the support and the resources from like parents or like a social safety net and like this is a different kind of pressure that I experience and like 
that and like the article did a really good job at laying out like why it's not just imposter syndrome for a lot of women or especially for a lot of women of color interesting um, but because it is intersectional mm-hmm. i think like as a woman in tech you probably feel it a lot did um, you feel imposter syndrome when you joined your new job oh yeah yeah i feel it every day yeah, <laughs> yeah. Definitely, because it's so, because there's just such technical parts where I'm like, I don't understand this, and I just truly don't, and sometimes the response will be like, oh, you don't have to understand it, just communicate it to your client this way, (laughs) or the response will be like, oh, that wasn't your training, go back and rewatch the video. It's tough, and my love language in, like, relationships, in romantic relationships or friendships is not words of affirmation. I, I am always very uncomfortable with words of affirmation. But I think in a workplace environment, mm. it's really, really helpful yes. to get that encouragement. Oh my God, yes. And the two people that I work closely Oops. with on my team are very vocal and consistently are like, Lashanti, well, you did a really good job when you do this. Yeah. And I think that that has helped so much to where I feel way more confident taking um, action without like asking for permission or just like when they're out, I monitor their emails and I do a lot more things where I feel like I have the power and that has helped and that is something I don't think I could have communicated in my old job because that was not the culture like Mm. we never had any sort of words of encouragement Mm. I got feedback one time and it was negative in my nine months there whereas now I'm getting feedback regularly every two days where it's so important to get feedback yeah and so now when something like negative things up it's so small and it can fix it in three seconds yeah you know i'm like oh but not a big deal i'm not gonna let that ruin my day yeah versus that ruined my whole experience at that company you know yeah. and so yeah feedback is so important to help with imposter syndrome i had a lot of imposter syndrome when i joined i literally was like dude they hired the wrong person for this I was like, dude, these people are so intelligent. Everything they say is so well thought out. And I feel like I do not feel like I'm at that caliber. Mm. And I also think that it really does make a difference, like going from like a Chicago-based company to like a San Francisco-based company. Just the, just the, the crispness of what, mm. like how things are done. It's, it's crispy. Yeah. Like that shit, the saturation is It's like <laughs> crispy. And I was like, damn, like I need to, like every day Spend I need that. to. Yeah. And I was talking to my mentor, kind of the one from Moon, and he was saying, like, oh, I definitely felt the same way. Cause when he switched from his job in uh, Tokyo to San Francisco, he was like, oh, I really felt like. I didn't know he went back. Mm-hmm. He was like, I really need, I felt like I needed to. St- to like be on my A game every day. And I feel like that here, but I think it's like healthy. And I also appreciated that even though the interview process was like pretty short, it was like end to end three weeks. It was really comprehensive and they like grilled me pretty hard. On your current company? Yeah. And I think that gave me a sense of like, okay, at least they have an idea of what I am and am not capable of doing because of my interviews. Whereas like if I didn't have like a presentation during the final interview and stuff, I think I would have been so much more anxious. Yeah. Um, so I did. I think they did that really well. Wow. Yeah. I love that. I think setting yourself up, I think this is actually full circle because it goes back to Julia's advice of 
this should be a little bit uncomfortable and mm-hmm. this should really challenge you and I think yeah. your current role is definitely doing that in such a satisfactory way like, yeah you're getting yeah. so much satisfaction on that mm-hmm. because you're able to push yourself you're learning new things you're surrounded by people who are intelligent who yeah. push you who ask you good questions and that's what you should want in a job yeah because your job is not everything your career is not who you are mm-hmm. so you need to be able to grow from it learn from it and then take those lessons Ending remark, I think I'm very, I I don't think, I am very grateful to have you both as like close friends because I think the support that we give each other throughout, especially when it comes to career and jobs, is really special and I'm really lucky to have that.